Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Mike. Mike Kayla. He is the founder and chief strategist of Smirk Media. What's it? Smirk New Media. Apologies. Smirk New Media. Yeah. <laughs> Smirk New Media. Uh, definitely need to get to get my introductions right. But thank you, Mike, for taking the time out to be here. Absolutely. No problem. I really appreciate it. So, Mike, before we get started into the nitty-gritty could we get a bit more sense in how did you get started in the digital realm sure yeah so i was in yeah i was in journalism uh for a long time you know that was my first job when i was a kid was covering high school football games uh and became a print journalist uh all through my college years and then for about 15 years after that and i was um sort of the guy in the newsroom who figured out how to use the internet before everybody else did and um, really started looking at how we could integrate digital social media, really online storytelling to add to what we were doing in the, in the, in the print, uh, in the print product. So, you know, that journey was sort of lined up at the same time, the whole industry was, was in flux. So, you know, fortunately, or luckily, I was, you know, at that at that point where I was figuring out digital strategies when the print side was going away, which allowed me to jump out of there and into my into my own agency. Awesome. And when you got started with your agency, what was that like? You know, I, I know a bit background sure. of yourself, but sure. So you know, I was. I was a genius and started in the middle of, you know, a global economic downturn with, with no clients and no money. I bought a laptop from a pawn shop and went to the local, you know, the closest Starbucks and like, Hey, I'm starting business today. Um, but you know, what was good is that in, in the, in the last couple of years before that, you know, when Twitter and, and social was really getting started, I, I just sort of created a really great network for myself. Just, you know, learning who those other people were that were adapting this technology and really getting to know them. So, you know, one of the first things I did was send out sort of a mass message to everyone I had gotten to know and said, hey, I'm doing this. You know, if you could help direct me to people, you know, that'd be great. If you can connect me with anyone, that'd be super because, you know, we were the first digital marketing agency uh, in our state. And that was, it was really wild times. That was 2010. Wow. So there's 10 years already. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, it's been, it's been fast and slow at the same time. It's been highs and lows, but yeah, we've got a really great team now 
and really doing great work for 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 clients that are really interesting so and what was it like for you when you started building your agency when it's just by yourself you know you know, handling with clients and sure. strategy management accounts everything it was stressful <laughs> it was it was uh frustrating uh, at times because when i first started it was like i always tell people it was like being a missionary uh, sent to another country is like you have to you have to explain to people what it is that you're talking about and then ask them to give you money for it and so that was <laughs> it was a lot about you know training the community about what what digital marketing was all about and also you know figuring out what that sales strategy was going to be so you know i quickly learned the hard way that the best way that i I could grow and the agency could grow was to bring on other people who were smarter than I was to, to help me with the things that I didn't know about. You know, I was a journalism major. I had, I went to college and took no business classes. I didn't know, you know, somebody asked me to be, do a P and L for my business and I had to ask them what a P and L was first. So, so it was a lot, a lot of trial and error. Um, but we, you know, I tried to remain true to the, to the idea that, you know, Digital was a, a game changer in terms of how brands commun could communicate with people. And as long as we were true to that, then then we were okay. How did you find your, your mission for that? Yeah, it, you know, it was, it was really based on uh, interactions that I had when I was at the newspaper. You know, we really were trying some innovative things there. And it, it was all about you know, sort of breaking down the barriers between the decisions that we were making on what stories to, to cover and what people were really interested about. <laughs> so for, I mean, for a hundred years, it had been, you know, a table full of old white guys deciding what was best for their customers. And now we were able to get real-time feedback from them. We were able to, you know, see what the real metrics were in terms of what people are interested in. And so we started doing you know, we started letting that drive the conversation, let that drive the content, you know, and, I, you know, and just from interacting um, with them, I could see the power that, that strengthening that relationship really got to have. One example, um, so what we used to do is we used to, you know, when there was a, when there was a big news, news event going on, we would, you know, I decided, hey, let's do a live chat while this news coverage is while this is going on. So before we start posting stuff to the web or in the paper, we can already be having that conversation uh, with the community. And there was one example where there was a there was a wildfire in our uh, in our area, you know, where it was really creeping up on on some homes and inside the chat, uh, I got a message from someone. And it was a guy who said, hey, this is about 2007 or 8. He said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm military. I'm stationed in Iraq. I saw the stories about the wildfires on TV. I went to your website, and those fires are a block away from my house. Could somebody go check and see if my wife and my kids are okay? So I got that message in the newsroom from the chat. I, you know... Uh, talked to the reporter in the field. The reporter went and checked on that family, and in five minutes, that guy knew whether his family was going to be okay or not. And it was at that moment I'm like, you know, this the world has changed. the The 
quickness of it, the intimacy of it, the power of our ability to tell those stories was going to make everything we do different. And what I really sort of fell in love with was the, the breaking down of that barrier. And when I realized that, Hey, I can do this and help brands do that, you know, and help people who have a real mission to that, then that's what pointed me in the right direction. Wow. That's awesome. So during this last 10 years, yeah, what's the biggest shift you've seen in the digital world in terms of content and the way people consume information? Yeah, I, I think now there's what's changed is the expectation that that the public has. The 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 public's expectation, you know, that you can no longer wait until the next morning to tell anybody what's going on. You can no longer, you know, people expect on the brand side, when you're a brand and they have a problem with your brand and interact with you on social, that you're going to reply to them. You know, it's, 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 it's totally eliminated sort of the structure where, where brands and the media companies used to, used to be behind a series of closed doors. Now, Twitter or Facebook or reviews or the chat or the comments, they're, an active open front door that customers can just stream through. And it's, it's up to you to handle that interaction, right? Um, because that's not going away. You know, it's like, you sure. When I started my business, my mom thought, is this just a fad? Is this going to go away? And my child is going to be bankrupt. Um, you know, I remember hearing those stories of, Oh, Twitter will go away in a couple of years. Um, but now it's when you're in the, you know, just for example, when you're in line at a drive-thru at a, you know, McDonald's or whatever, and you get something bad, you have already, you've already lit up the brand before you even leave the parking lot. You're sitting in your car waiting for your food and letting them know in real time that you're waiting for your food. So, yeah, I just think, you know, I think that my generation and all, you know, obviously all of the younger people, that's their go-to. I'm going to call this brand out and I'm going to get satisfaction. Do you feel there's now, now that um, the last 10 years, you know, everyone's become like a content creator. Everyone's, um, you know, there's so much information, literally. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we used to say content is king. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that's still true in a sense? Well, we're really, you know, we're really leaning into what, the algorithms are sort of telling us. And, you know, when we first started the business, it was all about post as often as you can, <laughs> as much as you can. You know, then it was post things that are really stimulating visually. And then it was post videos. And and now sort of at the heart of our business and, and, and the way I look at it is it's all about how you spend your hours as a content creator and as, you know, and as a marketing department and as a business you know, the time, I think time is more well spent interacting with good or bad reviews, interacting with customer questions, than time has been spent in the past of, I'm going to spend eight hours making a really highly crafted, highly produced photo post. You know, I think, you know, these two things are happening, which is the customer's, you know, expectation for the quality of a post has gone down. I mean, they'll, People will consume things if they're interesting, if they're, you know, 
shot by a potato, you know, <laughs> you know, a potato camera, as we say. But at the same time, the expectation for interaction has gone up. So that's where we're saying that's where we're spending more of our time as an agency and where we counsel people to spend more of their time when they're marketing themselves. Do you notice this in the, the streaming community as well in how the streamers are building relationships with their audience? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's it, what's going on sometimes in the stream is, is secondary almost to what's going on in the chat. You know, that's why, you know, that's why Twitch is as, as growing as it is because sometimes the game is unnecessary. It's about the community that's created either around that, around that creator or around the, around the game itself. So, you know, and that's where, you know, you see things like Patreon, you see, see things like how these people are making a living with, you know, sort of that thousand true fans mantra that was out. And it's really, you can't do that without interaction. You can't do that without transparency because those, again, the expectation from the fans are going to demand a two-way conversation. And when it came to you building your digital agency, um, what was it like uh, handling the stress and the tension? I'm sure you still do. Um, but the the mental health aspect of, of looking after, you know, managing a team, sure. managing projects. Well, that was, you know, I'm very open and upfront about that was okay for a while. And then I fell off a very steep, very deep cliff uh, when I couldn't, couldn't handle, you know, doing all the work, you know, I was very much over promising and under delivering. I was very much measuring myself by revenue instead of self-worth. Uh, and then it's, it, after that, after a while, it gets into a real cycle of, you know, I'm, I'm stressed because I'm doing bad work. I'm doing bad work because I'm stressed. I'm measuring myself by the bad work that I'm doing and on and on and on it goes. And it, at some point I, I stepped away, but fortunately I, I had great staff, you know, uh, Allie Carrick, she's my, she runs our whole business operation. Now I've made her a partner in it because when I had to step away, she stepped up and made sure all those clients were satisfied, made sure our processes got better and really helped straighten out the vision and allowed me to find some balance and what doing what I was what I was better at instead of trying to do everything and learning to not say yes to everything and learning to qualify candidate uh, qualify clients a little bit more you know it's all of those mistakes now do I wish it was not like it put me in the pit you know for a while yes I that's great but you know that just showed me that that Letting go and letting people do great work is is the key to all of this. And now, you know, it helped us form what kind of people we wanted working with us. We helped us sort of change the vision of the company and really make it more, you know, honestly, making it more about seeing the client as somebody who we want their dreams to come true. <laughs> Uh, and, and ours will come true as a, as a, as, as a result of that, you know, these are small business owners. These are, these are people who've put a lot on their vision of their company success. And our job is to help them get that. 
That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, I would tell every, well, I'm really big now on my crusade is, is sort of anti fake it till you make it. Mm. I'm really in, I, whenever people talk about that, that's one of the things that got me to where I was. I think when you do that, when you say that you're not a solo person, but you have a staff, when you say you don't have five clients, but you have 12 clients, uh, you're really sort of building a foundation of lies that you're not able to keep track of instead of just being honest with people of, Hey, I'm just starting out. You know, I have two clients and I'd love to have you as a third. I think if you fake it till you make it, you're just sort of planting a bomb that's going to go off eventually. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned about letting go of certain things and then, and then letting other people step up. Mm. How has that enhanced your leadership um, style and you know, your learnings throughout that? Well, I think it's really, uh, it's really humbling and, and humbling, humble is where you need to be. You know, when you, when you delegate things to other people or when you, you know, give them, empower them to do the work, that means that you're admitting to yourself that there's things that you can't do as well. And so becoming, you know, much more of a servant leader than a, you know, dictatorial leader is, is super important, especially when you have a small team and you're trying to grow and trying to find new opportunities. So that whole idea of I, how can I put myself in the position to make them better, to make their work easier, you know, just shows it, it helps show our commitment to them as employees and it, and then they pass it on to, to other folks on the team. If it, you know, it helps get everyone in the mindset of if, if the leadership is, is serving, then we're all serving each other. Was it hard for you to let go of certain things? Because I'm, oh, are you absolutely was he used because uh, you know you're used to doing things by yourself when you started out as a low, you know as such a lone wolf, right? Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. It, it was like you know, for better or for worse, I was the social media guy in town, and so I thought, hey, you know, look at me, I'm the guru. Everything I touch is going to turn to gold, and then and then you hit the wall of well, what does workflow look like? You know, well, how do you deliver to clients and, you know, learn how to have great client relations? You know, I was exposed for all these things I didn't know. And, um, and, and admitting that is, you know, as they say, admitting you have a problem is the first step. And, and so after that, you know, it, it, it quickly, I quickly found out where the holes were, in me and and but but and where I needed to help fill those. What was it like going through, you know, uncovering the holes, you know, the, the things that was holding you back? Um it was really it was really scary because for me there's a lot of avoidance there. It, it you know until I got to the point I needed to just sort of suck it up and admit that there was you know, there was a point at which I didn't like to answer the phone because I was afraid that it was a client calling to fire me. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a rough thing that everybody has to do. You know, we've been really good. You know, it, it was sort of a series of, 
uh, uncovering the layers, you know, where you takes a lot of introspection and there in a lot of, of, you know, knowledge of yourself, self, you know, it's like Gary V says self-awareness. And I went in there with like zero self-awareness. You know, I thought I existed in my own little bubble. Nobody ever talked about me. I, you know, and if they did talk about me, they talked about how smart I was. So, um, once I got that, then I knew, uh, then, you know, you just got to eat crap for a little bit and realize that. And, you know, for me also, it was like, and this is true for a lot of digital marketing people, at some point you reach the crossroads of, is this just going to be a solo deal? I'll have a few clients, I'll make a good living. Or is this going to be a brand that I build and have a team and make something bigger? And, you know, I sort of quickly forced myself to make that decision. And once I made the decision of, we want to go big, then I knew other people need to be there to help me. Mm-hmm. And in terms of training, how do you, sorry. Um, sorry, in terms of managing training and building your leadership team now, do, do you have a hierarchy or do you have a very transparent open door policy? Oh yeah. I mean, we're, you know, uh, we're really open now and, um, you know, thank God for things like Slack for goodness sakes, you know, it's like, <laughs> You know, in the old days where where your manager could just shut the door to their office or whatever, you know, our day is an ongoing conversation about what we're, what we're working on. So our leadership team is myself, uh, Allie, who is, our, you know, runs all of the operations. I run all the business development. And then we have another leader, a person on our leadership team named Lee Emerson, and, and she runs she she's our client service director so she's really working with the project managers on how they interact with clients but we found more and more that you know every client needs to be no matter how big or small they are needs to be a a group effort needs to be a team effort so right now we're having at least two people on every client project if not most all of us because Everybody has their little specialty mm-hmm. and everybody has a perspective that we don't normally get. So we're trying to bring in people who think weird and think differently. And uh, that usually helps. It helps the whole, helps the culture and helps the work we do too. Well, I think it, do you, because of the amount of um, you know, the change that comes with the digital world, you know, there's a new app every day. There's something that uh, new technology or a new trend. Where would you see you know, the most importance for this year would be? Um, you know, I'm really, I hate to admit this because I love it. I'm really worried about Twitter a little bit. I worry about, since it was so much politics for so long, um, what happens when the air goes out of that balloon a little bit. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I think, you know, the path we're on with with conversations with customers is really good um, and really going to grow even stronger. You know, we always talk about how there's still people, you know, the public sort of gets the idea that all of this has been adopted by everybody already. Oh, everybody's on social media when it's like, you know maybe 50% of businesses, even big businesses, 
uh, aren't doing anything. You know, when we look for prospects for the, uh, the social customer service, you'd be stunned at the big household name brands who never have a conversation with their customer at all and leave open into leave these questions hanging everywhere. So I still think that's hap happening and that's a, that's a trend that's going to continue. And I think the other thing is really the next double step of that conversation is really figuring out user generated content and how that's going to be used by the brand and how you bring those people in, not necessarily as influencers, but as sort of a higher level part of your customer base and, advo and advocates and cheerleaders and all that. And for building those relationships, as well as um, in terms of, uh, how should I say, building the relationships in video form or text form, you know, what what do you feel works? Or, or is it live streaming nowadays, right? Yeah, you got live chats and stuff things that's going on yeah. as, as well as customer services. Yeah, I really, you know, probably the one piece of content that I consume more than any over the course of a week is Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. And I think those are where brands can show their personality a little bit more. You know, there's great features now for those, that interaction and that, um, you, you know, that back and forth. And, um, and I, so I think there's a great opportunity there. You know, I think other people who are trying to emulate that, I don't know if LinkedIn stories and whatever the hell Twitter is doing stories and, <laughs> and all that have as much, uh, have as much, uh, juice to them. But I think, um, any opportunity a brand has to pull back the curtain and show what really happens with them on a day-to-day -day basis and then answer questions about that, the better it's going to be for everybody. So is it showing more behind the scenes? Yeah, I really think so. I mean, we always tell people, we always tell, you know, the businesses we work, whether they're small or whether they're big is tell people how you do what you do and tell people how you know what you know. And if you just do that, you'll have enough content to last for the rest of your life <laughs> um, because people are curious about that stuff. You know, even if you think what you do is boring, you know, you have some expertise that people don't have. You've done some things that people would love to put walk in your shoes. Yeah. And just showing them that uh, gives them a taste of that. And also they also like the taste of the transparency it's like, ooh, I'm special. I get to see this. And other people who aren't on this, you know, who don't follow this account or don't have this relationship don't get to see that stuff. So there's an, a sense of inclusion and there's a sense of exclusivity and then there's a sense of connection. And what other ways could brands build that relationship or transparency other than showing behind the scenes? Well, I think it's, you know, we're, we're actually working with a new national client who's sort of asking all of these questions uh, because, you know, there's some brands that have used, you know, have gone and spent big money on a single influencer with the mm -hmm. expectation that that influencer will push their audience to the brand. And that happens a lot, of course. But some sometimes it's like, that doesn't necessarily be, mean they become your fans. They're the other person's fans. So 
we've been thinking, you know, to me, it's how can you get to the point where they can self-identify as we're fans of this brand? And what does that mean if we're like the intensity level is, is different? You know, singers and entertainers do it all the time. You know, Lady Gaga has monsters and, you know, Mariah Carey has her people, these devoted, super devoted people. Um, and how do you do that with a brand? You know, I think some of that is is asking asking them, using them as a yeah, as almost a focus group. You know, bouncing ideas off of them before they get down the road, and then giving them calls to action too. You know, not sales, not sales calls to action, but like as fans of our brand, here's something you can do in your community. As fans of our brand, you know, here's the values that we have. So the sales of it is way down the road, but it's more like, how do you get them to identify with you and feel like they're a, pro a part of everything that the brand does? So is it more communicating of the values? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's really turning down the volume on very salesy content, very mm -hmm. transactional stuff. And it's more about, what does your company culture look like? You know, why do they, why would they want to have that relationship to you and what great content can you share with them? And so, uh, so any of that, any of that where, where you can make them smarter or make them a more, uh, a more valued customer without actually asking them to come into the store or whatever, then the better that's going to be without coming off really, disingenuous and we've seen brands do that too of you know all like the first half of last year was all over sentimental hey we're part of the pandemic too brand stuff that that didn't necessarily hit like it like it could hit um it was just like you know hey we wiped on the counters now and we didn't before um <laughs> it's really about more more than that so what I'm, what I'm um, more curious about is what other steps could brands communicate um, further mm -hmm. in their message uh, and maybe their voice or what they stand for, probably? Yeah, absolutely what they stand for. And some people are wary of that. And there was a lot of bad takes last week even of, you know, the I, – I forgot what I saw. It's like, you know, some food brand – takes a hard stance against the insurrection on the day of, and we're like, you know, take a breath. Um, but, uh, but I think it's more, I think if they can talk more about their uh, employees and their culture, you know, here's Bob, he does a great job for us. And here's how he does a great job for us. And here's what that means to you when you buy our product. That mm -hmm. means Bob helped design that or Bob helped package it or, or whatever, you know, it's, you know, sometimes when I'm trying to get my kids attention at the dinner table, you know, one of the exercises is think about all the people uh, who had to do work in order to get this food to our table. You know, somebody had to grow it, somebody had to pick it, somebody had to put it in a truck, blah, blah, on, on down the line. And I think brands can almost do that with their customers. Think of all, let us tell you the story of all the people 
that were part of getting this product that you love to you. You know, and that can be really short term, like a restaurant experience, or it can be very much involved in that if you're a national or international brand. But it's, you know, it's people love to relate to other people, you know, and then and then using that as a format to ask them about what they do and why they love your brand and how they use it. I think that creates a story cycle that that can just keep getting refreshed. So most importantly, it's still this this never gets old because I think this is the one that still has the most impact. It's about telling stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that's where you know we try to. That's where when I bring you know when we hire people who were journalists or we hire people who were in who were in storytelling type jobs but weren't necessarily digital marketers. You know, I can teach you how to you know schedule post, but you know. It's, it's harder to teach how you interact with the clients and then how you tell their story. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that well, I want to, how should I put it? Learn about um, how they could uh, communicate their story better. Do you have a, a, you know, a sort of strategy that you go through? Yeah, we have what we call the content conversation. And it's really forcing them to tell the story of their business beyond sort of businessy buzzwords and, and, and language. It's like, you know, everybody who's, you know, especially in the small to medium size, there's a guy who one day, just like me, sat down and decided, hey, I'm going to start this. And so I usually use my own story to get that out of them. What was that last day? Like all the questions that you have asked me, I'm asking the client in order to peel those layers out of them and find out why, why they do it. What do they take pride in? You know, what, what is, is their definition of a happy customer? How do they make themselves smarter every day? And you get these little tidbits. Like if you just talk to a brand, uh, you know, either the owner or the marketing people or the people who make the products. If you just ask them, what do you do to make you better at your job every day? Then you know what that list is? That's the list of where you can go and cure of content that you can curate because you know there's a relationship between the brand and that kind of content. And so it's just like that. You know, it's just some of these people, you know, I always tell a funny story. Uh, about people not understanding, overcomplicating what they think content is. I went, I went and spoke to a group of pastors uh, one time, and they this was in the early days, and they were sort of befuddled by all this, you know. And they're like, "What content should I? I'm a, just a pastor. What content should I put out every day?" And I'm like, "Look at your desk. You literally have. Well, there. First of all, there's a big book that you read every day that you might want to use for some content." But just look at your, you know, most people I just tell, I just say, look at your desk. There's 10 magazines over there. There's, you know, notes that you've written in-house that you could share. There's all this sort of stuff that's all about. It's it's all the pieces that add up to your story. And for those that, uh, I'm more curious now about how you manage your day as well and how you manage yourself. 
what kind of habits do you have for you know, setting yourself up uh, before you start your day and stuff? Do you have any habits or exercise you know, routines that you have? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I've become sort of an early riser. You know, I'm trying to get up. So we have three kids, and they're and you know the time between they're out the door at seven to go to school. So the time between six a.m. and seven a.m. in our house is pretty hectic. So I'm trying to get up more in the five range. You know, have some meditation habits to do. You know, have some devotional uh, that I do. Um, you know, I have a file in my email that that's just where all the newsletters go, and have some set aside time to just read that stuff. Um, you know, and and I I'm sort of really I live by the calendar, so you know what it tells me to do, I do. We're really excited because we're getting a Peloton next month. So that'll be part of the routine soon. Awesome. Right over right over there behind my back <laughs> in the office. Um, and so we'll incorporate that. Um, but, you know, for me, it's a, it's really about when when the switch is turned on and when the switch is turned off. When it's when it's, you know, finding places where it can be quiet for a little bit um, and and even during the course of the day, sometimes it's like, hey, we're just going to sit down and we're going to, you know, we're just going to be unplugged for a little bit. Because that was a part a part of the issue, too, for me has always been I constantly want to be plugged in. And it's like I want that information all dumped in my head. If there's something out there that I don't know, I need to know it. <laughs> so, so, but it's. It's the opposite of that in order to be more productive. How do you separate um, unplugging from the digital world, especially you know for us that's that live in the digital world as 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 our work and you know part of our lifestyle, I suppose. You know, it's become our lifestyle, isn't it? So it's not easy. I mean, it's hard. It's like one of the biggest struggles that I have is like um, you know building that wall of separation between having to be on and having, you know, wanting to be on and having to be off, you know, and, and all of the political stuff did not help me because I am a junkie about that. Hopefully that'll go away next week when things aren't quite as interesting. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's accountability for me too. It's like my, you know, when, when the wife and the kids are home from school, it's harder now because I'm home all the time too. <laughs> but when they walk through the door, that's time. That means time's up. You know, it's <laughs> like put your phone away, um, and then, then do the do the things that are on the calendar to do at night and get some value out of. That's awesome. And for those that want to find out more information about you, where can they go? So our company is called Smirk New Media, um, and there's no other Smirk New Media. So if you Google that, that's all of our stuff. And fortunately, our SEO is pretty good. So hopefully you'll be able to find the website and all the social and all that. Um, my my social, my main social is Twitter. That's MKOKC. And I'm pretty much MKOKC everywhere else. So uh, that's where I am. Awesome. I'll make sure to put those links below in the show notes as well. Sure. So thank you so much, Mike, for your time. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too. Thanks for letting me talk. I, I, I hope that helps somebody. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. 
I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.